the scripture this morning, and, and as we are in worship and prayer, we want to, um, and I know it doesn't need to be said, but we want to continue to be very, very intentional in our prayers this week. Obviously, uh, the, the focus of everybody's week was on the hurricane, and um, we're thankful that much of the state uh, didn't get as bad a hit as was at one time feared, but that didn't spare the entire uh, state or even part of the, uh, the, the coastline, North Florida, Georgia, the Carolinas that are getting flooding and, and certainly very, very significantly affected by this storm. We want to pray for those uh, who have been affected, but certainly also while much of the United States may have been spared that direct hit, we need to remember those who were not, specifically Haiti and the devastation there in a, in a country that can least afford, afford it, um, Cuba, the Bahamas. Uh, keep them in prayer as the United Methodist Committee on Relief begins to mobilize relief efforts. We will pass those opportunities on to you for us to support and to step in and to be the presence of Christ through direct and uh, indirect support. And so um, so I want to continue uh, to pray for that. We we see, you saw our, our praise band got changed around a little bit today. If you're regular, John was back on the drums. John wasn't supposed to be here today. John and Jenny were supposed to be in Texas, but they flew out of, they were scheduled to fly out of Orlando on Friday. And so that didn't happen. And we're certainly glad that they didn't get into a dangerous situation. But as somebody said, when Disney closes, things got real. So... Um, <laughs> Anyway, so we want, to, uh, we want to, to keep that in our prayers. I want to, uh, to say another word of just deep gratitude and thanks. I've gotten wonderful cards and postcards all week long from so many of you. Um, very, very kind words in, in kind of the aftermath of the pastor's um, celebration last week, our pastor's appreciation. So thank you for that. I do treasure those cards. I've, I've told you before, I keep a victory file of all the nice things people send me over the years. Um, <laughs> I, I do, because sometimes life beats you down, and it's nice to kind of have those wonderful reminders, and many of you, all of those cards are wonderful additions to that. A few of you did take the opportunity, though, to take some pot shots at my teams. That was unnecessary. Um, your teams will suffer because of it. God and I talked, and uh, you're gonna, it's going to come back to haunt you. So, um, so thank you. Thank you for all of that. Now, last thing, actually, and this is, I want to commend all three of the congregations because last week you remember, if you were here, that on the table there was a, a bucket and it was full of candy bars, 100,000 uh, know, 100, grand bars. Um, and there was a note that said, these are for Pastor Chris. And you guys were wonderfully disciplined. As far as I knew, nobody stole any of my candy bars. They were just for me. I got them. Unfortunately, that same courtesy was not extended in my house. <laughs> and apparently, pastor's appreciation became pastor's family appreciation. And every time I turned around, somebody was eating one of my 100 grand bars. So um, next time, I will hide them better. But, uh, but thank you. All right, enough of that. Let's, uh, let's turn to our scriptures. We're going to read the first 12 verses of the 66th Psalm. And I uh, want you to hear these, these words of, of worship, these words of praise, these words of adoration. This is what the psalmist writes. It says, sing for joy to God all the earth. Sing the glory of his name, make his praise glorious. 
Say to God, how awesome are your deeds, so great is your power, that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our backs. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Brothers and sisters, we ask here God's blessing now on the reading of his word. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, that we would be open to your word, to your spirit that speaks, to your joy that fills, to your power that shapes, that we would become like Christ, be open to the shaping of your spirit, and to becoming the people that you have called and created us to be. These are your moments, Lord. Do with them as you would. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. We had been 17 hours on a flight. We had flown from Tampa to Miami, from Miami to New York, and then from New York to Tel Aviv. 17 hours uh, in the air with very, very little rest. Some people sleep very well on planes. I do not. So it was, not, uh, it was not a bad flight, it just was not a restful flight. Through customs, through baggage claim, through the, the joys of, of airline travel, and then a few hours, to my recollection, on a bus as we went from Tel Aviv to the city where we were going to be staying, at least the first part of our journey there in Israel, which was Tiberias. And it was more than ready to get to the hotel, really at that point just wanted to get to the room and, and take a nap, just rest and, and start the bit of recovery in anticipation of the next day. But it was on the tail end of that journey, as the bus came over a hill, that I saw one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my entire life, one of the most powerful moments I've ever experienced in my life, and this is what I saw. That view right there. Now that city is Tiberias. That's not really what was significant about the view. But rather, is that body of water. Anybody know what body of water that is? That's the Sea of Galilee. To lock eyes in that moment on the Sea of Galilee was for me one of the most profound and powerful moments that I have ever experienced. To see this place that had been the center point of many of the stories that had been part of my childhood, well, my entire life. The place and to be and to look eyes, and I can remember thinking in that moment, most powerfully, this is where Jesus walked. This is where he taught. This is where he encountered people. On that body of water is where the storm was calmed, where he fished, where he called his first disciples. This was an awesome moment. In fact, it was an awe-filled 
moment and one in which I will never, ever forget. And this week's preparation, this scripture, this psalm, took me back to this place of remembering, and not just this, but moments in my life when I can concretely remember, maybe with crystal clear picture, moments when I have been just filled with awe. Moments where I have just been overcome by whether the beauty or the significance of the grandeur of, of the moment and the experience. One of which, this was 20 years ago, or 20, more than 20 years ago that I was in this place. One was just this past summer. One of the things that, as I talked to people this week, that came up more than any other as a place that, that, brought, that um, causes awe and wonder. And it was being here. And that, obviously, if you can't tell, if the picture's not clear enough, the Grand Canyon. To be at the place that I, the first time I'd ever been to the Grand Canyon. And Ryan was commenting, Tony and I flew out there this summer, and Ryan and his grandparents had driven out there, and we met up with them, and, and Ryan was even commenting at the awe that, that, that I exclaimed the first time my eyes locked up with, with the Grand Canyon. Moments and places that just remind us of the splendor and, and the, the best of, of life and, and creation. And they're not always, and they don't always have to be scenic places. There's a lot of experiences we have that cause us to have moments of, of being filled with awe. I thought it'd be fun, and I only have a few seconds, but what are some moments that you think of? When I talk about awe-inspired moments, what are some of the moments you think of? Yeah, that's one that came up, and I was thinking of that with the baptism. Birth of, birth of a child. Flying over the Swiss Alps. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rocky Mountains. Yeah, exactly. Some of the, the real grandeur. What else? Yosemite National Park. The islands of Hawaii. Okay. Redwood Forest. Yellowstone. It's amazing how many of us understandably go to places we've seen, kind of the, the grandeur of creation. Um, what's that? Smoky Mountains. Yeah. Yeah, places that, that kind of remind us that we are in the presence of greatness. That's what it means to kind of be filled with awe, to be reminded that we, we are seeing something, experiencing something significant, something great, something powerful, something meaningful in our lives, and there's any number of ways that can um, begin to happen. Well, that's part of the intent of the psalm. Part of the intent of the psalms is to remind us of an experience of awe, to experience the awesomeness of God. In fact, that's the language that the psalmist uses there in that 66. And we can read this. I could have picked any number of psalms for the scripture today. He says, say to God in verse 3, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power. In verse 5, come and see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. The psalmist is inviting people into an experience of God's presence. And God's presence and being in that experience and experiencing his love is awe-inspiring. In fact, it, it, it just in my reflection, I'm thinking that's what part of the heart of, of worship is every week, is that we come to offer ourselves in praise and, and, and thanksgiving to God. We come to offer to God our, our worship, but also to be filled by God's presence, to experience God, to have 
an awe-inspired moment. And I know that not everybody walks out every week having felt that. And worship is more than just a feeling. But it is a recognition of something powerful that happens. In fact, most often when we have awe-inspired moments, things can change physically for us. Uh, We have a German shepherd at home. Dakota is, is our third child. And um, she is now 10 years old. This is the first time I've ever had a German Shepherd. I don't know if it's customary for all, all German Shepherds, but this one is getting real ornery in her old age and, um, and is making life wonderfully interesting. But an interesting thing happens, and I, I didn't grow up with dogs, so I know this is probably fairly common, but, but it really stands out with her, is that when she gets excited, the hair on her neck stands up, the hackles you know, and, and whether it's excitement or fear, when there's a, a significant experience happening with her, the hair on her neck just pops straight up. And I started to think about that, the way that we experience awe and wonder, goosebumps, or and when I was at St. Paul as the associate, they called them spirit bumps, you know, because something significant and powerful is beginning to happen. We're having a moment, we recognize that, that we are in the presence of, of something great and meaningful. And that's God's invitation to us. That's the psalmist's invitation to come and to experience the awesomeness of God, to experience the power of his story, to be reminded of his love and his powerful deeds. That is what we are invited to, to have an awe-filled moment. Because we need that. Powerful things happen in those moments and in those opportunities. One of the things that happens when we are inspired by God's awesomeness, we worship. We worship. It draws us into worship. And worship, part of our worship is telling the story. That's what the psalmist does. He begins to recount the story over and over in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, they tell the story of God's love and God's deeds and God's grace and what God has done for the people. We're invited to tell the story. That's part of the act of worship. I mean, that's what we do naturally when we're inspired by anything. We tell the story. There are two things that will gather our attention and will cause us to talk, to talk more than anything else. One is experiences we have that shock us by their... Um, lack of quality. Maybe that's the nicest way to put it. Things that we see that are just painful or awful or embarrassing, we'll talk about those all day long. We will talk about those all day long. It is the reason, the, my, most, my greatest fear in ministry is that one day I'm going to fall off the stage. And this is why I'm afraid of that. I'm not afraid I'm going to get hurt. It probably would happen, but that's not my fear. Because I know the moment that happens, forever forever, if nothing else is ever remembered about me 50, 100 years from now, I would be the pastor that fell off the stage because people will never forget those kind of stories. I've had a few of those stories already. I don't want to add to it. That's the, 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 the ridiculous. But the other thing is we tell the stories of things that move us, that, that we enjoy, that bless us in some way. And they don't even have to be significant, life-impactful things. It happens every Sunday. I walked in here today at 7.30 in the morning I came down the hall, and this is the conversation I have every Sunday with various people around the congregation. The first thing that I ran into Michael Hunter, if you know Mike, and he said to me, first thing, not good morning, not not anything else. He said, did you see that Nebraska game last night? 
you know? And we started talking. I guess Nebraska, I mean, why would I watch a Nebraska game? I don't know. But, um, but, but it was something significant to him and, and, and a lighthearted way. And, and so we began, and I have those kind of conversations. We have a few of us that, that we're talking sports every Sunday morning. Uh, but, but there's other things that we talk about. If you go see a movie that moves you, that touches you, I guarantee you're telling people about it. If you go see a concert that, that has value and meaning to you, you're telling people about it. If somebody does something significant for you and blesses your life, you're telling people about it. That's our natural instinct. Something good happens to us. Something moving, something powerful, something impactful. We can't wait to tell other people about it. The psalmist invites us to experience God's presence so that we can proclaim his deeds, that we can tell other people about it, that we can be drawn into worship, that we can sing his praises. That is what awe does for us. It invites us into God's presence, invites us to experience his power, invites us to worship and to tell the story and to proclaim his deeds. It happens over and over and over throughout the scriptures. So awe moments invite us to worship. The other thing that awe moments do is they make us better people. Moments of awe make us better people. This was interesting that a year ago there was an article in the New York Times that talked about the experience of awe. And they said that people and communities that experience a sense of awe, of wonder, become more generous. I don't know how they study these things. I don't know how they test these things. But that people are more generous. That communities that experience awe together through worship and through music are more um, committed to each other. They're more giving. They're more forgiving. They're more cooperative. They recognize, and what happens is we recognize in those moments that it's not all about us. It's not all about us, that we are part of a greater story. Not that we don't matter. Not that we're insignificant. But that we're part of something that is deeper and more reaching. We're part of a story and a fabric of God's work that isn't all about our experience, but rather the part we can play in, in the, the grandeur of the story. I mean, you ever, you ever, when you've been on a plane, look down and just realized how small life seems from 30,000 feet? You know, or, or, or those moments that uh, number of, uh, gosh, I guess it was a couple months ago when the, we had the proceed meteor shower. You remember? And it was a couple nights where you could go out in the middle of the night and you could see the meteors one night uh, and we've done this a couple times. Ryan and Cassidy and I uh, got up. Now, you'll notice I say Ryan and Cassidy and I. You'll notice that there's one person not in the story. Um, I don't even know where she went. Oh, you're back in the back. Um, we got up at 2 a.m. and we went out and we laid down the blankets and we looked for the meteors. But boy, I tell you, you want a moment, and you've had these moments, when you just realize how expansive and vast God's creation is as when you stare at the stars. And we recognize that it's not all about us. And when we're filled with awe, we become more connected to each other and to the God who has created us. And it makes us better people. In fact, somebody brought this to me this morning. Trudy Clark brought this to me. This was in the paper today. Today, so I had no idea. Um, It's the parade section, but the title is Awe. And it says, how the soul... See, does God not work in just awesome ways? How the soul-stirring wonder sparked by a shooting star or a majestic peak can transform your health and happiness. I mean, that's just beyond cool, right? That's awesome is what that is. 
That's, a good, that's an awesome moment that, that, that we're reminded uh, of our part of, of, of God's greater story. And, and it speaks to the remarkable nature of God's love for us because God cares deeply about each one of us. But it's not just about any one of us. It's about what God does through us, that we're invited into those moments. The challenge for us is to pay attention. The challenge for us is to pay attention because those awe-inspired moments don't need to just be moments at the Grand Canyon or half a world away. But they can be moments that we see and, and opportunities we have every single day to see the wonder of God's hand at work, the power of His grace at work, the beauty of His creation in our own backyards or 20 minutes away at the edge of the ocean or any number of places when we're willing to look and to see, but too often we just don't. That, that in fact, that article from the New York Times last year said that we as a people are all deprived because we just, we get trapped in the mundane and the everyday and the ordinary. And there's nothing wrong with the everyday and the ordinary, but there's a problem when it helps us, when it blinds us to the extraordinary hand of God at work in the world around us. I remember when Ryan and Cassie were much younger. We took a family vacation with some of my in-laws and, and that Tony's side of the family. And we were driving through the mountains of Tennessee. And uh, it was beautiful. And when we traveled, especially when the kids were young um, and 13, 14 hour car rides, you did everything you could to kind of keep them entertained. That's a natural thing. So we had the, the portable televisions in the back where they could watch their movies. And here we are remembering them. We're driving through just this gorgeous landscape. And I look in the rearview mirror and I got two kids that are focused on whatever cartoon we had on the television. And I can remember thinking, this stops right now. You know, we got to turn this off. It wasn't anything they were doing when their fault. They were kids. But we needed their heads up. We needed them to see what was around them and to look. Because it was there the whole time. They just didn't see it. How many times does God look at us as a heavenly father and say, God, just look. Look, it's right around you. Just look and see the awesomeness of, of what I've created, what I've given. Be drawn into that relationship with, with me to tell the story of what I've done, to celebrate, to sing praises. That's the refrain, sing praise, to worship, but then also to be connected together, united together into this story, serving each other, loving each other in the world that we're called to love and to serve. That's what it means to have an awful life, you know, not the way we normally associate it with it, but a life full of the awe and wonder of God's hand at work in the things around us and in his Holy Spirit within us. Here's my plea. Pick your heads up. For me too, pick your heads up. See it. Look for it. Celebrate it. Worship the one who gives it and unite with one another as we live out his call and his grace. Let's be a people that together have a very awful life. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you uh, for the beauty of all that is around us, whether they be in the peaks of mountains that are miles away or just in the beauty of the, the landscape that is all around us. Your creation testifies to your love. Your presence speaks to the truth of our worth to you. 
and calls us to the greater purpose of serving the world with love. Help us, Lord, to be filled with your awe, to tell your story, and to to live that love every day. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen.